Welcome to the Pursue of Bliss podcast. My name is Kristen. I'm a self-professed health, spirituality, and mindset junkie. You know that blissful happiness you feel when you're just at peace with yourself, living fully in the present moment? That's the feeling I believe we are all in the pursuit of. And I want to help you get one step closer by up-leveling your health, mindset, and love for yourself. Because that lasting and blissful happiness can only be found and created within. So get ready for all things mindset, holistic health, and spirituality. I hope this serves you. Welcome back to the Pursuit of Bliss podcast. So this is going to be part two in my little mini series uh, about the void. And so this part that I'm going to dive into in this episode is what I consider to be the mush, uh, the void space within the void space, the dark night of the soul experience, facing your depths and your shadows. This is what I call the break open. Typical word might be the breakdown because it feels like a breakdown, but what it really is when you stay surrendered through the process is a break open because your heart is literally being cracked wide open. Or in my case, it felt like my heart was being just ripped open. I kind of felt like my heart was ripped out of my chest, just banged on with a hammer until it shattered completely open. And then kind of just shoved back in my chest, you know, but on the other end of that, I I wouldn't, looking back on my experience, I would not change a single thing. I'm so grateful I went through all of that emotional pain. That was probably the time period of, of the depth of the mush of this, this part of the process probably lasted around four to six weeks, but the real dark part of it was maybe a few weeks, maybe two weeks, maybe three. It's it's hard even looking back. I honestly don't know. It's like the time when I was in this, this period, the mush, looking back in my memory, it could have been a day. I know it was much longer than a day, but time wasn't really something I was experiencing when I was in this space. And I do know that a lot of what was happening was happening outside of our space-time dimension. So much deep healing and releasing. And yeah, it was it was probably the most accelerated growth I've ever experienced in a short period of time. And I am no stranger to the void. You've heard me talking about it. You've heard me talk about it on the podcast before, on Instagram before. I've shared my void experience from last year. I've had many void experiences. There's so many different void experiences we can have. But this was the deepest one. I've never faced these depths of myself before. In fact, I didn't know they existed. The things that came to the surface, the places I faced within myself in this time period. And I've never felt this much pain in a short period of time. It was probably the most excruciating emotional pain I've ever been in in my entire life. It was quite overwhelming. It was transformative. And I do believe that pain has purpose and I was present with the pain and I surrendered through it, even though it was massively challenging. And I can tell you right now, uh, on the other side of this, 
I feel lighter than I ever have in my life. I feel more aligned. I have more direction. I just feel like I'm smiling saying this because I feel so good. I haven't felt this amount of alignment ever in my life. And I've said this before. Last time I left the void, I said the same thing because I believe that when the void comes, it comes to realign us. It's like we're jumping a hundred timelines. It's we're shedding a hundred layers. Things are accelerating. And so if we're able to surrender through it on the other side, we have that accelerated like giant quantum leap in our lives because of how much energy has been shifted within us. And I, I know I've said this before as well, but it's just a prime example of slowing down to speed up. Because when I was in the mush, which I'm going to explain more of what that looked like and felt like for me and what that experience was and what it meant. When I was deeply in it, I had to slow everything down. I stopped my business. I stopped my social life. I stopped staying in touch with almost anyone except for a couple really close friends who were a support system and mentors for me. Really honestly, just one friend and a few mentors in my sisterhood that I had. My mastermind. So I had to shut everything down in my life and I had just set these big intentions for my life and suddenly I found everything came to an immediate halt, which is very uncomfortable because we always think, wait, I said I wanted to, you know, have all this growth in my business and this growth in my personal life and this growth in my romantic life. And, you know, I had intentions for every area of life and suddenly everything came to a halt. And so if you looked at it from an outside perspective, it might seem like my life was going backward. I set intentions to accelerate forward and everything was stopped and forcibly unraveled. And, you know, what truly was happening was I was just slowing down to speed up because on the other side of that, now everything has accelerated faster than I could have ever imagined. Things are falling into place in ways I would have never been able to guess or plan much more synchronistic than I would have been able to realize previously. And so this is a really important understanding about any void experience is that when life stops or when life puts you in a position where you are basically being asked to stop everything, this is not a sign that you're moving backward or regressing. It's just slowing down to speed up. We have to slow down so God can move within us and speed things up around us. Everything is always a paradox. Speeding up to speed up will work for a time period until you hit a wall and completely burn out and become overwhelmed with everything you've repressed and the time period when you were unwilling to slow down and be with yourself. So for all of you out there who have a similar, I guess, belief system growing up as I did, which is that we must always be productive all the time or we're not a worthy human being. I spent years unraveling that one. Slowing down and being with yourself is productive, energetically speaking. It's the most productive thing you can do. Slowing down to be fully with yourself. But it's also difficult. It's a lot easier to speed up and just hustle through things. I could have said, no, this is really uncomfortable. These feelings, I'm just going to throw myself into my work, throw myself into my goals and make everything happen and I've done that in the past and it would have worked it would have made everything happen and I would have been left 
unbelievably anxious, just with really high levels of anxiety from repressing all of the sensations that wanted to move through me. And so what I did instead was I stayed present with all of them, slowed everything down, felt everything, and on the other side was able to move forward with my goals and intentions from a clear, grounded, peaceful space. And this is the difference between learning to attract and magnetize with ease versus manifesting with force and hustle. One comes with high levels of anxiety, stress, force, control, and manipulation. And the other comes with lots of surrender, which is extremely difficult, but also lots of ease, lots of internal peace, lots of spaciousness. Okay, so let's just get down to it. I'm going to share my story with you or part two of my story. So let's start with what triggered the experience because almost always deep experiences like this are triggered by something physical around us. They aren't always, but oftentimes they are. And that specific trigger will create an emotional response that cracks the heart open. And when you stay open through it, you allow your heart to stay open. It creates space for a lot of other sensations, feelings, emotions that have been deeply repressed to come forward, which means that oftentimes when you're in a void space and mush space and the, the break open, the breakdown, you're experiencing a lot of emotions, sensations, and feelings, which are not directly related to the trigger. So in this time period, I experienced a deep betrayal from someone that I deeply cared about that I was not expecting. And it kind of felt like I had the image that I get when I think about this is I'm just seeing my heart and it's been wounded. It's been cut. You know, we've all had pain points throughout our lives and our hearts have all been bruised and I patched them all up and, you know, there's band-aids and bandages and It's been all patched up as much as possible. And there was even a knife in my heart where I had been betrayed or stabbed in the back in my past. And I pulled it out and patched it up, right? And I felt so safe with a person. I handed them that knife for safekeeping. I showed them where my wounds are, expecting them to help me protect them. And instead, they turned around and wrenched that knife right back into my heart and twisted and twisted and twisted, reopening every single wound that had ever been there. And I just was kind of left to bleed out. And that's like this visual example of what the scenario felt like. And I'm sure that many of you have experienced this feeling like you've, you've showed someone your wounds, expecting them to heal them or to protect them or to be gentle with them, and instead they use that against you to create even more pain. And it's one of the most painful things I think a human being can experience, betrayal from someone you love or deeply care about. But I also think it's one of the greatest gifts, at least for me it was. Because in that moment when you're bleeding out, so to speak, And you're feeling all of the emotions and it's overwhelming and it's painful and there's so much hurt coming to the surface. The band-aids were never going to cut it. The bandages you put over your heart, the band-aids you slapped on to cover the wounds that were there previously, they were never going to cut it. It was never going to last. Your heart was still closed. The wounds were still fresh and open. They were just bandaged. They were just covered. 
you can't live the fully fulfilled life that you're deeply desiring. If you're listening to this, I know you're desiring that on a soul level. You cannot attract or experience or be present with that life if your heart is closed off. And sometimes it takes someone twisting a knife into our hearts and reopening our wounds and allowing us to breathe out, to actually create space for self-healing. We can heal ourselves. Our heart can heal itself. And of course, I'm speaking about this all metaphorically, energetically, emotionally, but our heart can heal itself. But only if we allow it to do its thing without interfering. Only if we surrender to our heart's own process without trying to control it or manipulate it. And that's what most of us have learned to do our entire lives to control our hearts, to manipulate our reactions, to hide our pain, to slap bandages or band-aids over the wounds because they're too ugly, because they're too much for other people, because we were yelled at for emotions at a young age, or we learned that we were less lovable when we were in an emotional state. So for lots of different reasons, we learned to slap a band-aid on, ignore, repress, move on. And so it is a gift if one day, someone reopened or reopens those wounds because there's two options you have. You can do the same thing, slap the bandaid on, build more walls to protect yourself, turn cold, close down your heart, or you can surrender to the experience. Allow your heart to actually bleed out. Allow your heart to start its own self-healing process. Be with whatever comes to the surface, be with the wounds, be with the pain. We can't heal what we don't acknowledge. Acknowledging is the first step. Being willing to look directly at your open wounds and to accept them. So that's kind of what this experience did for me, this betrayal. I felt like it was, I mean, it was just this, It's hard to put it into words, like heart-shattering, excruciating pain. I mean, the experience itself was extremely sad and there was so much anger and rage and deep sadness and, and grief and feeling so deeply unworthy and uncared about and discarded and there's there were so many layers here, but it opened up for something even bigger because... When that knife was twisted in my heart, when those wounds were opened, all of the pain that I've been repressing for most of my life started to come to the surface. And it was, there's really no other word other than excruciating. A lot of what I was feeling didn't make logical sense to me. A lot of it was not attached to any story or any specific thing. Some of the the pain was There were moments when I could feel that my pain was from this specific betrayal. And there were moments where I didn't know where the tears were coming from, where the rage was coming from. It was deep within me, this almost primal force of anger, rage, grief, and sadness. And I believe when we have extreme emotional releases, sometimes it can be ancestral, it can be karmic, it can be from our childhood, it can be from a year ago, it can be 
There are so many different explanations, which is why I think it's really important to not go into emotional experiences with a logical mind trying to understand or figure out. Because emotions aren't logical or rational. They just are. And so my intention was to stay in my body as deeply as possible without labeling the experience or trying to understand what it meant. And for this time period, I, I literally had to tell some of my friends in my life that, hey, I, I need time to myself. I'm just not going to be around for a little bit. I'm just in a process right now. And my friends were really willing to honor that, which was really beautiful. And I was so grateful to have such understanding friends who understand these processes and, and don't take it personally when I have to take a step back to be with myself in a process. So my days were a mess. I was crying all the time. I Sometimes I would feel fine and then I would think I was over it and then I would find myself just in, just in tears. Sometimes like body racking tears, like gut wrenching tears, like the kind of moaning, crying, shaking, uncontrollable sadness. And I spent so much time in nature. I found a, a spot that I used to go to, a private spot in the jungle on the top of a mountain with a view of the ocean and the jungle. And I used to go there and sit on the earth because that felt really grounding for me. And I would sit there and I would just cry. And it just was, the only way I can describe it, I guess, is like it was flowing out of me. There was no stopping it at some point. Once I'd opened the dams, once I opened the gates, it just, it was a flood of emotion that I could not stop. I think that this was the most open I had ever been in my entire life. You know, opening is an ongoing process. And so there was no stopping it. And I was in such deep pain. I actually had experiences of what felt like regression to me, where I found myself turning to old habits and patterns to numb and deal with the pain that I didn't know how to deal with. I found myself in old habits and patterns that I didn't like that I thought I had quote unquote healed or moved away from years and years and years ago. And that was even more painful for me because I kept thinking, how can I be doing this? I've moved past this. I'm not this person anymore, but here I am turning to my old habits to feel okay about myself, to deal with this pain. And that moved me into a space of deep shame self-loathing, self-disgust in moments of just feeling deeply unlovable. And I had just this moment and I was in that spot in nature up on the mountain. And I just had this moment of, wow, I am so deeply broken. I am such a mess. I am so much more broken than I ever thought. I, and I had just these thoughts of how could anyone ever see these parts of me ever and truly love me. It didn't feel possible because I was in a space of such deep self-disgust from not only the way I had found myself dealing with the pain in the past few days, but also for getting myself into this scenario where I was betrayed. There was so much blame on myself for not seeing things for what they were, for the moments when I abandoned my intuition because I didn't want something to be true, because I was holding on to something or someone. 
I was in such deep shame. And I think it's really easy, especially for those of us who consider ourselves leaders or who just are in the healing space at all to hold ourselves to a really high standard. And you look around and you see on Instagram and you just see everyone putting out these like perfect examples of them living this quote unquote spiritual or healed existence. And I found myself in a relationship dynamic that was deeply karmic and just textbook definition of trauma bonding. But the thing about trauma bonds, that word is thrown around a lot and there can be a lot of shame around it right? Because there's divine union, which everyone strives for. And then there's trauma bonding where basically your pain is a match for someone else's deep unconscious pain. And so you feel a draw, this like magnetism that pulls you together because you both are trying to heal your pain through each other. And it can be really toxic, but it can also feel really, really beautiful, magical, and magnetic because you're pulled together so strongly. It literally can feel like a magnet. And I've had multiple of these experiences in my life of deep karmic trauma bond relationships. And this one in particular was also very connected to past lives. I was having, when I was going through the void space as well, I was having past life visions of me betraying and abandoning this person in a past life experience. And of course, this is kind of karma. But that, that is nothing that we have control over. And I don't even like to bring that up because some pe- people can take it the wrong way and say, oh, karma, we have no control and that's not fair and blah, blah, blah. But I don't see it that way. I see karma as always personally a good thing. Yeah, this karma might come and it might be painful, but it's also the biggest gift I could have ever asked for because this pain this quote-unquote karma that I'm experiencing is accelerating me to exactly where I'm meant to be. It's all part of a divine plan. The pain is also a gift and an opportunity. And it's also a reflection because I was betrayed and abandoned, but it was also reflecting all of the ways that I had already been deeply abandoning and betraying myself. I'd been abandoning my intuition in moments. I'd been abandoning my needs and desires I'd been making myself smaller in certain ways. And this can all be really easy to do when we're in this kind of dynamic with someone. But the thing about these dynamics is it can feel really real when you're in it. And I even remember moments, not this specific dynamic, but in the past, uh, in one of the deepest karmic relationships I've ever experienced. And there was definitely a trauma bond there, but there's also very real love. Oh, here comes my kitty just left onto the desk. As she always does when she feels the energy heighten. I swear, cats are insanely magical. Whenever I talk or think about heartbreak or really heavy emotions, she always comes near. And when I was in the void and the deep mush, she used to come and lay on my chest and lay on my heart and purr when I was... In the depths of it, I do believe that she is just my soulmate cat and she came into my life right before uh, the most tumultuous emotional time period of my entire life for a reason. So what I was saying before she interrupted me was that I had an experience in a past relationship dynamic where, like I said, there was deep love and it was there was also a trauma bond and it felt very karmic and magnetic and there were moments where I just felt myself. I knew deep down that it it wasn't right for me. 
But there are moments where I was willing to give up everything that I knew I wanted for this person, for this dynamic, even though I knew it wasn't right. And of course, God has higher intentions for me and is always protecting me and protected me from that relationship dynamic continuing, which at the time period was one of the biggest heartbreaks I'd ever experienced, but also the biggest gift. And I look back and I'm just, I'm so thankful for everything I lost because truly I didn't lose anything. It was setting me free. Every door that shut, every person that didn't choose me set me free. And I am truly so grateful for every single time, every single moment that I was not chosen in love because it gave me the opportunity to choose myself. And there is no greater gift. And for me personally, I had to experience these extremely excruciating, painful experiences where you feel like you're just truly being ripped away from this dynamic because it's so magnetic. I had to have those experiences to learn to choose myself. I didn't realize it even at the time period, but I was unconsciously trying and unconsciously manipulating because I was so desperate for someone to choose me, to help me to feel chosen, cared about, worthy. And I had to experience that in order to actually be embodied in the experience of choosing myself. But the reason I'm sharing this part about my relationship and relationship dynamics I've experienced with trauma bonds and karmic connections and blah, 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 is because I just really want to present myself as very human to you. And I know how easy it is to pedestal people and say, wow, they have everything together. They have everything perfect right? I'm even more broken. I'm such a mess because look at them. I don't have that perfect divine union, perfect love. I don't have that six, seven figure business. I'm not perfectly happy all the time. Or, you know, I don't feel worthy all the time or I'm insecure, whatever, whatever the stories are. Cause it's so easy and I create them too when I look at people and I just really want to humanize myself and to just invite you to really take me off of any pedestal that you may or may not have me on. I don't know. I don't want to assume that you do, but it's really easy to do. And there is no shame in having experiences that are not quote unquote spiritual or perfect or whatever you want to call it. They don't match up perfectly with this perfect dynamic of this healed existence. That's just not what we're here for. We're here for a human experience. And that means all of the human mistakes. That doesn't mean following a, a list of rules to live a healed spiritual life. It means messing up. I'm grateful for every single time I messed up, made a mistake even the times that I ignored my intuition and all of the pain it got me into because that brought me to where I am. And so I would just invite you right now, if there's anything in your life that you feel you have shame around because it's just not good enough or you bypassed your intuition or you knew something wasn't right for you, but you continued or you made yourself smaller to receive love or to be chosen. 
I just want you to know that it's okay and there's nothing wrong with you and you're not less of a person and you're not broken because of it. And no other spiritual person out there in the world, no matter how perfect their life looks on Instagram, is better than you. And in my opinion, what matters most is not what actually is happening in our life, right? Like whether you have the most perfect relationship or you're making a lot of money or whatever the things are that you want or that you think you want or you think everyone else has, but you don't. It's not about those things. It's about how you react and respond to those things. How do you react and respond to yourself when you notice that you've been making yourself small to be chosen or when you notice that you've been abandoning yourself or ignoring your intuition? Is there more shame and judgment and hiding or is there acceptance? Because this is where the real growth actually is. The real, real spiritual experiences are not in having the perfect thing you think you want. It's in your ability to accept and love yourself and the version of yourself who is not perfect. The version of yourself who has made mistakes, who is making mistakes, who is not doing things the way you want to be doing things. Because what often happens is we have so much shame around something that we become obsessed with fixing it. And we say, oh my gosh, like I'll just use my situation. I like, oh my gosh, looking back, I've been in multiple of these deep karmic magnetic trauma bond situations that were so unhealthy for me on a surface level. I need to attract a masculine man and have this perfect divine union. I, I, I need to, I need to have that as soon as possible. I need to get out of these dynamics and I need to have that and I need to make that happen and I need to manifest it. And I could have gone down that route, but what's really happening there is I'm not trying to attract that from a centered, grounded, aligned place. I'm trying to attract it from this place of, I feel deeply unworthy because of what I consider to be my mistakes in my past. And I want to cover that up and I want to prove that I'm not a fuck up. Therefore, I need to fix this part of my life. I need to find my divine masculine counterpart counterpart right now and I'm going to do whatever it takes. But that's being fueled by shame. That means that I'm not actually taking space and time to be with myself and be with what I'm actually ashamed of. And so what my process actually looked like was, well, let me slow down and be with the pain I'm feeling. Be with the shame I'm feeling. Be with the embarrassment I'm feeling. There was so many layers like embarrassment and shame that I was I let someone in this deeply who wasn't good for me that I was feeling this deep, deep, deep pain around something that was quote unquote avoidable if I listened to my intuition. Shame that I was a leader in this kind of space and yet this area of my life was not perfect. Being with all these parts of me and oh, I just got chills because the most healing part of all of this was realizing that I was still lovable in this place. And I had a moment up on that mountain when I was thinking about all of this and this moment of just like 
I feel so deeply unlovable right now. I feel like there is no one in the world who could see these parts of me and, and truly love me. And, um, I guess in the name of being vulnerable, as this is what this podcast is about, truly is me being deeply vulnerable and really humanizing myself for you guys is I was experiencing so much pain. There was so much coming to the surface. It was unbearable and I didn't, I was unable to even handle it. And I actually fell into a few different dynamics. I fell into an old pattern of, I need to do this alone. I actually pulled myself out, not pulled myself out, but I did not reach out for support for, to my mentors or my sisterhood immediately. I actually pulled away and isolated myself and didn't even realize I was moving into this pattern of, I need to do this on my own because my pain is, is not lovable. It's something to be ashamed of. That was the first pattern I fell into. And then I found myself trying to numb the pain with a glass of wine and that glass of wine would turn into a few glasses of wine. And there were a few nights where I found myself just drinking more than I had in a really long time and just feeling so deeply ashamed of myself because that was my pattern about five, six years ago that I had to do a lot of work to move out of. I went through a space of uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of drinking, a lot of heavy drinking, like five, six nights a week, blacking out. And it was all an avoidance of deep pain. And I had since then, of course, moved through that. And that is no longer my pattern. And so it was terrifying to me, absolutely earth shatteringly terrifying to see myself turning to alcohol. And I had so much shame around it, waking up on like Sunday morning, just feeling so deeply hungover and so ashamed that I had turned to alcohol to numb the pain. And, you know, that was when I found myself on that mountain and these moments of just deep disgust of how did I get myself into this situation? How could I have fallen back into my old pattern? How could I have turned my old coping mechanisms? No one can know this about me and love me or see me as a leader or see me as deeply worthy. There's no way. And it actually makes me want to cry right now. It's like making me tear up because these feelings were so real. And it's even scary for me to be sharing this on this podcast that you all are going to listen to, right? Because I'm putting myself out there for you to judge me if you choose to. And I know most of you will not, but I was judging myself. And I was making choices that I was not proud of. And I was turning to old coping mechanisms that I thought I was quote unquote above. And it was overwhelming. And so I was sitting there just feeling more unlovable and more unworthy than I've ever felt in my entire life. And I had this just moment where my heart just kind of moved. There was like a whisper in my heart that just said, give it up to God. You have to bring this all to the surface to be witnessed and receive my love. And, and so I asked myself, am I willing to just keep my heart open? Just 5%. Can I just open it 5% more right now and just be willing to play with the inkling with the possibility that there could be some love for me here. And so I breathed into my heart and I just spoke to God and I just said, I feel so unlovable. I feel so unworthy. I feel like such a mess. I feel so broken. I feel so ashamed of myself. I feel so embarrassed. 
I truly feel like this is such a deep, dark, scary part of me. If anyone saw this, they would no longer respect or love me or care about me. I suddenly felt hopeless that anyone could ever truly love me because I would have to show them these parts of me. The parts of me that have turned to alcohol in the past. The parts of me that have turned to men in the past for validation and to soothe my pain. The parts of me that that have made decisions I'm not proud of. The parts of me that have ignored my intuition over and over and over in the name of just having a small chance at feeling chosen by someone. The parts of me that felt so deeply unworthy of the kind of love that I really desired. That I was willing to make myself small in the hopes that someone would stick around. I just had all these memories memories coming up of all the times that I felt discarded by someone. And I'm sure maybe you felt this in your life where you were betrayed or you just felt discarded by someone, just kind of not cared about, thrown to the side. And yeah, I just felt so just, I guess, uncared about. And right, so in this moment, I took a deep breath and I just brought it all to the surface. And I said, God, this is what's going on. I can't, I'm not going to attempt to hide this from you anymore. I can't hide it from myself anymore. I don't want to hide anymore. I'm tired. I'm exhausted of trying to hide these, these parts of me that I'm so ashamed of. And I just spoke everything out loud. And I said, I feel so deeply disgusted. I've never felt this about myself before, probably because I've always repressed these parts of myself and never allowed myself to be present with what I actually felt. And I felt feelings about myself that I have never felt because I was so deep in shame. And I brought it all to the surface. I shared it all. I was crying uncontrollably. And I just had this moment of like, Oh, my body was overcoming goosebumps and I just felt like I was receiving a hug and I had this moment of just feeling drenched in love and I just, yeah, it was this moment of, of just, I still love you. There is so much love here for you still. There is no amount of broken or hurt that you could feel that would push away my love. And I know that we speak about unconditional love all the time, but this is the first time that I truly felt it in an embodied way. And looking back, I really think that I had to be brought to this place, to this rock bottom, where I didn't have an ounce of love for myself in that moment. I was not able to conjure up any love or acceptance for myself. And the only option I had was to be on my knees surrendering it all. But that in itself was an act of self-love. I chose to not abandon myself. I chose to not hide anymore. I chose to just bring it to the surface. And I think that we've all kind of learned, like we see God for many of us, or universe, if that's the word you use, as almost a father figure. We project father figure on him. And I think a lot of us learn growing up that we're less lovable when we make mistakes. And we feel shame and we hide it so that we don't get in trouble. But we forget that humans are human. But God, universe, the divine is divine. 
that love is unconditional and there's nothing that we can do to lose it. And I truly believe that I had to be brought to rock bottom. I had to feel these feelings and disgust for myself. And in order to really feel embodied, unconditional love. I mean, can we really know unconditional love as more than a theory or a theoretical concept until the moment when we feel so thoroughly unlovable and we still allow ourselves to stay open and therefore receive love in that moment? That was transformational for me. And then right after that, I decided I realized I found myself getting a moment like, wow, I'm getting caught in all these past patterns. I need to speak this out loud to someone. And so I had my mastermind container and there's like just this beautiful sisterhood of women in there. It's a, a container that I am in. I'm not leading it. It's a container I'm in. And so I, I brought... I, I sent a voice note and I shared all of this. I was just feeling the deepest shame of my entire life, feeling so unlovable and I'll have goosebumps again because the love that I received back, the unconditional acceptance and love was unexplainable. It just completely broke me wide open. I felt so held, so seen, and it just broke down my belief of no one can love me here because there was the proof I am currently being loved here. They are holding me and honoring me and loving me even more because of my vulnerability, because of my pain points, because of my humanness. I was ashamed of my humanness before, and then I actually became proud of it. I began to actually see my humanness as a strength rather than a weakness, as a God-given gift. Because everything in me was telling me I was going to be rejected and ostracized if I shared this part of me. And this is what shame does to us. Shame is a survival mechanism. Uh, imagine like, you know, in caveman days or way back when. If you did something or made a big mistake, you felt shame to avoid doing it again because the truth was you could be ostracized. And if you were, that literally meant death because you needed your pack, your tribe, whatever you want to call it, your community to survive. And so you would get this immediate fear of being left, which is like literally this fear of death so that you could continue to survive. So you wouldn't make those mistakes in the future. But that's not helpful anymore because there's no longer a fear of death. If we make a mistake, our life is no longer at stake. And now we're experiencing this deep shame around things in life that have nothing to do with our survival. And so the shame is no longer serving our survival, but we're still having this bodily response, this nervous system response, as if it's life or death. And so the fear of sharing the things that we're deeply shameful about comes from this place of, I I'm going to die if I share this because I will be ostracized and therefore left alone to die. And that's, of course, no longer the reality in modern life. But that's where the deep, deep, deep discomfort and sharing from a place of shame comes from. And it can take a lot to move through that. So every, every part of me was screaming at me not to share this. 
you're going to be rejected, you're going to be ostracized, they're going to judge you, they're going to look down on you, no one's going to respect you, they're not going to see you as a leader anymore. And of course it was the opposite. I was accepted with open arms and in a way I've never experienced. And and before this even happened, I was, before I shared, I was walking on the beach after this experience with God and feeling accepted and in this deep, dark part of me. And I was walking and I, I stopped and I was overwhelmed by like a rush of energy had hit me. I don't know how to describe it. And I closed my eyes and I had an immediate vision of all of the women in the sisterhood surrounding me. They were all hugging and they all had an arm. They all had a hand, either on my shoulder, my back or my heart. And it was just like immediate healing in my entire system. It's something I can't describe in words. It was otherworldly. It was just immediate healing. And I knew that this was happening outside of our time-space reality. And this is why I always say that sisterhood is more powerful than anything. Sisterhood all in devotion to God, to the divine, to seeing that and reflecting that in each other, back to each other in devotion to love. There's nothing more powerful truly. And... This is why I believe that when we come together in sisterhood, our souls already know each other. We're contracted to be together for a reason. And it was one of the most healing moments of my entire life. And it was a moment where I suddenly no longer felt broken. I just felt human. And I realized, wow, I was never broken. I was just human. And I was holding myself to this standard of being superhuman. And I'm not. I'm a human as we all are. And on the other side of this, of this healing, it's, well, here's the most powerful thing first is that when we're in a space of where we're unable to feel love for ourselves, it is an act of self-love. It's a commitment to no longer abandoning ourselves, to open our hearts up vulnerably and share with others open ourselves up to receiving love from others and we're unable to give it to ourselves. That is our duty as self-healers. That is really this path of spiritual growth, of any growth. That's way more fucking challenging than hustling, working really hard. Really, any, any journaling practice, any meditation even feeling your feelings. I don't believe there's anything more challenging than sharing our deepest shame, the parts of ourselves that we have the deep, deepest rooted shame, deepest rooted shame. There's nothing more courageous than sharing that with others. Putting yourself out there to receive love, even if you might not receive it. And it was receiving that love first from God and then from these women that allowed me to actually feel lovable and worthy again. That allowed me to move through and release my shame. That allowed me to move into this grounded space of self-acceptance and forgiveness and love, which cannot be forced. And from there, all of everything I was ashamed about immediately fell away. It was like my heart was massively moved. After that, all the old patterns that I was ashamed of falling into just disappeared. I was no longer tempted by them anymore. It was like it was there for a week and then it was gone. 
it's like almost that old version of myself that I had pushed away came back for a week so that I could learn to love her and reintegrate her and become more whole because I had repressed her. I had ostracized her. I had pushed her away. I had made her wrong and bad and shameful. So I hid her away in a deep, dark cavern of myself. We all have a little jail deep down within us where we lock up parts of ourselves that feel shameful or unworthy. And sometimes they're going to force their way. They're going to escape and force their way to the surface because they just want to be loved. And that's what happened. And on the other side of this, I mean, this was like a deep purge of emotions. I can't even describe how, how many tears there were, how many screams there were into my pillow, how much rage I experienced. On the other side of all of this, it was like I felt like a different person, of course, more open. And the only way I can really describe it is for this time period, I felt empty. Like there was this 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 emptiness within me and empty is probably the wrong word, but it's what it felt like in that moment because I released so much deep pain and shame that I'd been carrying for years that I didn't even know what it felt like to not have it and not having it. My first gut reaction was, wow, I feel empty. It's gone. And then it felt spacious and peaceful and grounded. I could breathe again in a way I couldn't before. And what really got me through it is every time I was in deep pain, I kept asking myself, Kristen, can you open through the pain? Keep your heart open. Don't let it shut you down. Let God love you here. Let your people love you here. Let yourself be loved here. And it can be really challenging because when you're in these spaces of feeling deeply unlovable, you can really convince yourself that no one could witness these parts of you and actually love you, but it's not true. And as long as you hide parts of yourself out of shame, you're avoiding love. You can do all the inner work in the world and all the meditations and all the journaling, take all the courses. But if you don't open through pain, through shame, through triggers, through challenges, if you're still shutting down dominantly, you're not opening your heart. You're not going or you're going to have trouble aligning with ease to the path that's meant for you. This is why so many people are obsessed with force manifestation. Because you can have a shut down heart and force manipulate and control your reality. And it's still going to work. You're still going to manifest what you want on the outside. But you're shut down on the inside. You're not grounded. Probably experience high levels of anxiety. Not to say that I don't experience anxiety. Of course I do, but. It's on a consistent in my reality. So when you're shut down to controlling life, there's probably high levels of anxiety, low levels of surrender, overworking, overhustling, overforcing, feeling desperate for your manifestations because they're being fueled by shame, which we're unwilling to look at or feel. And I hope that me sharing some of my humanness and my experience can help you to accept yourself through your own humanness and your experiences and your shame stories. Because your humanness is what makes you beautiful and perfect and worthy. And 
there's a lot of talk about opening of the heart and how that makes you magnetic and radiant, and it does. But it's not always this beautiful, delicate process like it might sound. Sometimes it's messy and painful. For me, it was chaotic and excruciating. It brought me to my knees so many times. There were moments where I was in such deep pain, literally on my knees, just saying, God, please take some of this. Please. I can't do this alone. I was forced to reach for support in moments. And it did not feel beautiful. It did not feel delicate. It didn't feel magical at all. It felt fucking horrible. But it was also deeply cathartic. At the same time, there really it felt so good. It was painful, but it felt right. And every release felt better. And so, like I said, kind of on the other side of this deep mush, I felt like a different person. And this is why, I mean, same thing goes with everything. What comes from a space of force creates more anxiety and doesn't last. Willpower only goes so far. I could have tried to force myself with willpower. To stop the old patterns or coping mechanisms I was falling into or cut myself off from people who weren't serving me, etc. But that would have been fueled by shame. And it would have eventually come back to visit again because I would have just repressed it. So instead, when I stayed present with it and allowed myself to feel all of it and chose to actually accept myself in the face of all of it, The desire or the need or the internal drive to take part in any of the coping mechanisms that weren't good for me or to be a part of the lives or to keep people in my life who, who weren't good for me, it just naturally fell away. I suddenly woke up one day and was the person who felt repulsed by people who couldn't meet me where I am, who didn't treat me with the respect I deserve and the love that I deserve. I felt just neutral about turning to alcohol about really any numbing or coping mechanism it just wasn't necessary and there was no quick trick I used there was no habit or or quick fix or strategy the strategy was being present the strategy was God the strategy was love when I chose to love myself where I was, when I chose to open myself to receiving love where I was, instead of using shame to fuel a change in behavior, with ease, the behaviors I wanted to move away from fell away. I just simply woke up as the person who didn't need those things anymore because I didn't have any shame around them because shame fuels the spirals we want to leave. And I ended up doing a, I don't know what you want to call it, I really took a good look at every single person in my life and cut off anyone who is not fully able to meet and love and accept and respect me where I am. And loving someone is not enough to keep them in your life. There are a lot of people that I deeply love and care about and who I know do deeply love me, who are unable to show up for me in the ways that I need 
And it's sad and it's heart-wrenching. But it is important to no longer abandon ourselves and our needs and what we are worthy of in the name of keeping people that we love in our lives. It means that we place their love for us above our love for ourselves. When you make a commitment to no longer abandoning yourself, that also means letting go of people that you are unconsciously abandoning yourself for in the name of receiving their love or keeping them in your life because you quote unquote love them, right? It's an easy excuse to make. I'm going to keep them around because I love them so much. Loving someone is not enough of a reason to keep them in your life, in your life. Love is the bare minimum for someone to be in your life. And another point I want to make is that your coping mechanisms or any patterns that you have or habits that you're ashamed of or have been in the past, I just want to remind you that at one point you needed them to survive. You created those habits, those mechanisms for a reason. There may have been time periods in your life where pain was so unbearable and you didn't have the awareness you had now. You didn't have the tools, the support system, the consciousness, the knowing to be able to move through those experiences. Sometimes that coping mechanism was the only thing holding you together. And so I can look back and, and actually be grateful for the time periods I spent lost in quote unquote unhealthy coping mechanisms because that was the only thing holding me together at that time in my life. I didn't have it in me to handle the pain I was experiencing. I needed an outlet. And I can forgive myself for all of the times that I'm now, that I have had shame around because I was just doing what I had to do to survive. And I'm grateful and lucky that I don't need the coping mechanisms to survive anymore. But I had to re-experience some of them to learn to love myself there. To learn to let go of any leftover judgment or shame that I had. To fully embody and integrate those parts of myself and become more whole, which is the entire process of opening our hearts and becoming more magnetic and radiant and closer to God and the divine. Attracting what we desire with ease. You know, sometimes in our lives, we can think that we healed things away or we're over that. We moved through that already. We changed that pattern. That's not us anymore. But really what happened is we shamed it away. We hid it away. We locked it away. And what we really need to do is not heal it away, but love it into the light. Bring it forward, be witnessed, accepted, and loved. That is the real healing. And... This is why I think it can be so detrimental to look at the lives of people on Instagram or people you look up to, leaders, and say, okay, their life is all together. They seem really healthy. They do this, 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 and this. Let me make my life look like that. But really what we're doing is we're shaming away and pushing away all the parts of us that aren't already in in alignment with that person's life. And we might make our life look like that. It might seem healthy. We're going to yoga. We're doing all the things. We're doing breath work. We're doing all the healing work. But We're not feeling better on the inside and nothing is really healing because it's not coming from a space of love and acceptance. It's being fueled by shame. 
And none of this is a linear progress. And oftentimes in order to get where you want to go, you have to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. You have to go deep into what you don't want first in order to get where you do want to be in a grounded, embodied way. And I think it's, it's so sad because it's like, why, just why are we so afraid to share our hurt online? Why are we so afraid to show up as human? It's like, I, I think I spoke on this a little bit in the last episode, part one of this. I don't remember, but especially if you're a leader or a healer of any kind and you're afraid of showing up as human, your pain points, your deepest hurt that those are your greatest gifts. The parts of you that you feel the most ashamed of are also your superpowers. And your vulnerability is so courageous and it actually makes you more of a leader than less of one. Because I don't know about you, but I don't relate or connect with people that don't feel human. I connect more with people's pain. When I see someone who had similar pain to me, I feel seen, witnessed, heard. I suddenly give myself permission immediately to have deeper love and acceptance for myself just by seeing someone express the same pain that I've ever experienced in my life. That is healing in itself. I don't want someone to lead me or mentor me. I mean, I don't, I don't, who is perfect. I want someone who gets me, who I feel I can relate to. I want someone who is human and not ashamed of their humanness. Because I'm not trying to ascend into some perfect spiritual experience that doesn't exist. I want to ground and descend into myself, into my humanness. I want to be here present fully with this experience that I chose for myself on earth. And that doesn't happen by bypassing my own humanness, my human nature. So I hope this episode gives you full permission to be human. Uh, one more point I wanted to make is when you're in the mush, in the depths of it, full clarity is not possible. And I know that there's that concept of everything is happening for you. It has purpose, etc. But stop trying to figure out why it's happening to you when you're in it. Stop trying to create any story around it at all. Let it be painful and confusing because that's what it is. It is really painful and really confusing to be in that space and just let it be that. Stop trying to make it something that it's actually not. You can't surrender by trying to surrender. You can't suddenly say, you know what? I know this is what's meant for me, so I'm going to surrender and just be okay with this. It's okay to not be okay with how you're feeling. It's okay to be frustrated and confused and to not know how it's happening for you. It's enough to have a higher knowing that this is all part of the divine plan and you're not alone in this, right? Like God's at your back. It's enough to know that you don't need to try to figure out how it's happening for you. This is part of surrender is surrendering to how you're actually feeling. Maybe you're just fucking pissed, pissed off that life is handing you this experience right now. So be pissed off. Don't try to force yourself to quote unquote surrender. That's not a real surrender. The real surrender is surrendering to how you're actually feeling in this moment. And remember, overthinking 
protects from overfeeling. When you find yourself lost in your thoughts, ask yourself, what is present here that I don't want to feel right now? Am I willing to open my heart to that sensation just 5% more? That was a deeply vulnerable episode. Had to pause it because it brought me to tears a couple times. Because it just, yeah, it was so raw for me in my heart. And, you know, the void is an initiation into a new season of life. It seems every time I enter it, I really do go deeper. Every time I open a little more, I'm initiated into a deep, the deep, dark, shadowy depths that I didn't know existed within me previously. And I do also believe that I'm initiated much deeper than most people because I have chosen to be in the space that I'm in. I have chosen to be a mentor for so many people who also experience these things. And I believe that because of what I've chosen in my life, I'm initiated on a much deeper level. And I don't want this to scare you. <laughs> because I do believe the void is an initiation to a new season of life, but it doesn't always need to be as excruciating as mine was. But the thing is we can't enter where we're meant to be going when we're still dragging around parts of our experience that have actually expired for us, no matter how good or pleasurable they might feel. And that means that a complete letting go, which is required also requires the death of the part of us, which, which identified with or attached to whatever we are letting go of. That could be an identity. It could be a person. It could be a habit. It could be how we see ourselves. And the death process can feel like a fucking mess. Like there's a knife in your heart that, invis- that an invisible hand keeps twisting over and over and over and over and over with no explanation and no way out. But oftentimes it feels like a knife ripping apart the your already tender wounds is really a gift. Like I said before, it's the opening of your heart. And sometimes it shatters you into a million pieces. Sometimes it rips apart your entire worldview and everything you thought you were. And it will always trigger your wounds to the surface to be held and loved. But the opening is a gift in disguise because an open heart is a magnet for everything that is meant for us. An open heart is the key to living a life of ease and deep fulfillment and connection. But what I really want you to know is that you're not alone you're experiencing any of these things there's nothing inherently wrong with you you're not broken to feel pain and uncertainty is to be human and your humanness is beautiful to allow the discomfort of all of that without forcing a solution or forcing clarity is surrender which is the only way through and the breakthrough always follows the breakdown although i like to call it a break open because that's what it really is you know, someone named Oren Harris, he's on Instagram. I consider him a mentor of mine. Something that he says is life isn't breaking you down. It's breaking you open. And that's become a mantra of mine because I truly believe that and know that to be true on every single level of my being. It's all divinely orchestrated. Are you brave enough to allow it to be with it? Life, God, the divine, the universe is always trying to nudge your heart open. And we really support ourselves in that process and make things easier for us. If we are present and conscious 
throughout the process because yeah the void is a deeply magical place and every single time I experience any kind of void my life shifts dramatically in really magical ways I could have never guessed or planned for myself after which is where I'm going to go in my next share uh, in the next part of this series because this episode was all about the pain and the shame and the vulnerability and now I get to share with you how my life has dramatically shifted like turned upside down in all of the best possible ways it's (laughs) I have no words actually now I just feel just even speaking about it there's so much joy in my heart talking about it I just have this silly grin on my face right now because so many things have changed for the better in my life and If I had told myself where I would be now, even two months ago, I would not have believed it. And yet here I am, so happy and so excited about my life. And it looks way different than I had planned. And I'm so grateful I would not change a thing. I would not take back any of that pain. I wouldn't trade a moment of it because it brought me to where I am. So with that said, I'm going to stop blabbering. It's been over an hour. If you made it, all the way here to the end. I'm so honored that you have listened to my story up until this point. Truly honored that you're here receiving me, all of me. And I hope it gives you some permission to breathe more deeply, to let go of some shame and to be human. And I also wanted to remind you that uh, my Greece retreat in spring 2023 the early bird pricing for that is ending december 1st so we just have a short time probably about a week left for that once this episode airs and it's going to be magical we're going to be doing a lot of heart opening work and like i said there's nothing more powerful than sisterhood like i have lived that over and over there is nothing more powerful than sisterhood divine sisterhood and i truly believe that this sisterhood which is already coming together If you're meant to be in this space, you're going to know. You're going to feel an inner tug because your soul has already been contracted, already decided with our souls. We've already walked this path before together. Uh, So if you have any questions about the retreat, the link to register and with all the details will be in the show notes. You can also send me an email, kristenjen at brisadabliss.com or a DM on Instagram at brisadabliss with an underscore. If you feel called to working one-on-one with me, I'm opening up two one-on-one spaces. You can also send me a DM if you're interested or the link is in the show notes to apply for my one-on-one mentorship containers, which are deeply heart-opening and transformative. So you better be ready to be cracked wide open. And of course, as I said that, my recording was at 1-11-11. All right. Thank you for listening. I'm so honored to have you here on this journey with me. It really, like I just, it blows my mind that so many of you listen and want to hear my voice and my story and I really do hope more than any more than anything that this episode served you in some way and I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and I will see you in the next episode